Hey everyone, if you like the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast, you might also appreciate the I Like Beer the Podcast. Listening to these guys is like being a fly on the wall of the pub with a few of your favorite mates having a pint. These professional beer appreciators have plenty of stories to share on everything from the mating habits of penguins to their behind-the-scenes brewery experiences. Check out the I Like Beer the Podcast wherever you are listening to this show about coffee or head to ilikebeerthepodcast.com. Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 2 of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. I'm Ryan Wolt, and this is the show where I bring you the stories of coffee professionals, entrepreneurship, and coffee education. Today, we're getting coffee smarter with Jared Hales. He is the green coffee buyer and co-founder of Hasea Coffee Source in Anaheim, California. Hasea is a family-run business that looks to partner with new and established coffee roasters in long-term relationships, which is something that Jared often touches on in many of our conversations. He also hosts more in-depth coffee education classes on cupping, beginning roasting, and coffee tasting. All the class details are on haseacoffee.com. Today, Jared and I tackle coffee spoons. I'm just getting back into the swing of things here in the podcasting booth, and there is so much to do and so many paths to take that I'm feeling a little scattered, even overwhelmed. And I've noticed that coming out in the interviews and the Coffee Smarter Chats, like the one we have today, that I've been recording. That's just a warning that we very quickly move on from coffee spoons onto other accessories and what is going on in the world of coffee sourcing. With that said, I hope that wherever you are, you've got a full cup of coffee and you're ready to get coffee smarter because it is time for this Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast Coffee Smarter Session with Jared Hales, co-founder of Hasea Coffee Source. It's got to be 95 degrees in the closet today. And uh, <laughs> full disclosure, I'm in swim trunks and I am uh, actually wearing an ice pack around my stomach just to keep me cool, which is a trick I learned uh, last season. <laughs> I like that, actually. I might remember that one. <laughs> nothing, nothing gets in the way of content, Jared. Nothing. <laughs> Dedicated. <laughs> Good to Again, I, I hope you've had a good summer. What's what's going on? What's new? Yeah, it's been busy. Just kind of more of the same. All of our coffee is imminently here. So it's a lot of logistics and then like that transition to put on the selling hat, you know? So it's like just kind of like a in-between roles right now, keeping me busy. As the middle person, you know, you're sourcing the coffee and then selling the coffee locally. Does your job ever feel like it's kind of like it seems like you're always doing something new every day, but it's also always the same? 
Is there that weird kind of disconnect or no? Am I just misinterpreting that? I never feel like it's the same. I never like have that sort of feeling because it's always a different problem. I mean, it's always problems, <laughs> but it's always different. And then the places that the coffees are coming from are always different. And so the, whatever the working with the vendor that is pretty fresh, you know, and then kind of how that coffee fits on someone's menu is different. And so that keeps it fresh on the, on like the sales side. So it never feels redundant or monotonous. I didn't prepare you for this, so I apologize. But as you're saying this, I'm wondering, did you, have you seen any sort of new trends in, in your regional sourcing this year or demand for new regions? Is that something that you notice on a yearly basis or is it more on a bigger scale? I would say it's over bigger lengths of time than just like year to year. You know, like, for example, right now I'm noticing Bolivian coffee kind of emerging, you know what I mean? But that's been happening for arguably 10 years. (laughs) So, but, you know, the popularity or the demand is higher than it was three years ago, for sure. On the other end of things, like I'm working with someone in Uganda because I think that there's a lot of potential there, but like when I bring the coffee in front of roasters, I feel like they're not quite ready for it. Interesting. The Bolivian thing is really interesting to me because I've had the show as eight, eight coffee roaster sponsors uh, and two non roasters. Three of those roasters that I've spoken to in the last week have mentioned Bolivian coffees to me that they're really, so I would say that that's definitely, definitely something on the horizon. Yeah. Which I've I've bought some a long time ago from Bolivia, and it's quite good. I haven't gotten a chance to sample anything yet, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm wondering, what what are you drinking uh, these days? This morning, I had a Rwandan coffee roasted by Twin Lens. His name is Alan. He's out here in um, Orange County, L.A. County area. Good stuff. Washed, red for bone. How did you uh, prepare it? I brewed a Chemex. I kind of hacked it though. I, I use a I use a Bonavita, and I put my Chemex under it for an auto Chemex. <laughs> <laughs> I bought an AeroPress earlier this year. Tried mm-hmm. to figure out what all the hype was about. Took it with me all summer camping. It was fine. It was very convenient, but I didn't really enjoy a lot of the coffees I was getting out of it. Wow. I decided not to like just give up on it when we got home, and. I've been loving the coffee that I've been drinking out of it at home. And what I'm, it makes, it made me very aware that like the hand grinder that I had on this camping trip is just not, it wasn't doing a good enough job. I don't think that's the only real difference in what I'm drinking. And these, the same coffee, the same bag of coffee I had on the trip at the end tastes great. So interesting. I'm a big fan of the AeroPress. I feel like a lot of people are, and it's almost cultish in like <laughs> how much they love the AeroPress, uh, which for anyone listening uh, was invented by the guy who made the Frisbees with the holes cut out. I know they're not technically Frisbees for trademark reasons, but they're the, the discs, the flying discs with the holes cut out <laughs> to use up that, that extra plastic, I think it was his motivation, but uh, he was an inventor. That's what he did. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of the Prismo attachment. If you've ever used that, it's a fellow product. It replaces that black, I don't know, like screen piece 
that AeroPress gives you. It replaces that with a small little pressure valve. And also they provide like a mesh, a metal mesh filter. I usually put a paper on top of the metal just to get a little bit cleaner, but that extra pressure and also no drip, you know, doesn't leak. Mm -hmm. It is really nice. That is something I had heard was a complaint and I did experience, you know, if I put 240 grams of water in, I'm probably really only pressing, you know, like 175 to 190, you know, when I finally get to it after a minute and a half or two minutes. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I'll look into that for sure. Maybe we'll talk about it on a future show. Yeah, sure. For today's show, I wanted to thank you for coming back as a Coffee Smarter expert, obviously, and ask you today about coffee spoons. And the reason I was I thought of this to ask is because my Instagram account is inundated with this one woman who sells coffee spoons. And it's just <laughs> constant, you know, sp- you know, every day it's spoons like her using a spoon, her showing pictures of spoons, it's, it's spoons, which makes me wonder what is so special about these spoons? Do I need one of these? It's the power of Instagram marketing, you know, <laughs> but what is a coffee spoon? What is the purpose of a coffee spoon and what makes them different from just a soup spoon or a, you know, cereal spoon or whatever that I have in the drawer? Right. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. She made, I actually have a couple of her spoons. They're cool. They're they're super cool. But I mean, really, really the, the biggest thing with the cupping spoon is just the size of the, the bowl or the, I guess that's what you call it. The, the bowl of the spoon, right? Yeah, like the end, the end part where the liquid goes. Right, exactly. The bowl of the spoon by specialty coffee standards is supposed to be four to five milliliter capacity. Essentially just ensuring that you have enough coffee in there to taste with. But this is really for cupping, you know what I mean? I don't think most people are drinking their daily coffee with a spoon. But definitely with cupping, you need to have enough coffee in that bowl to get a good reading on it. I have cupped with like a cereal spoon, you know, that's much more shallow. And it almost just sounds strange, but it almost feels like drinking air. It's like not enough liquid in your mouth. It's, when you slurp it, it's almost just gone. It's like droplets compared to the cupping bowl where you actually get that good spray of liquid and then another element to it is it should be you know a material that's can hold up to the coffee and not going to impart any flavor like you wouldn't want a wood cupping spoon oh that's interesting i wouldn't have thought of that i am partial to wood spoons not because they're functional really in any way that i have found but mostly because uh, i just think they look cool and i like that they're wood you know reusable and, and uh uh, a little more sustainable, but right. I also have this uh, fantasy of sitting around a campfire carving my own spoon someday. But I would have to learn how to whittle, and I would have to get a knife that could do that. So I'm I'm way behind right now. <laughs> uh, are there other types of spoons? I'm thinking like demi-tasse spoons. Does it matter for any of those, or is it just basically a small spoon for a little small stirring action? Or is there anything else about spoons that people should know about? I guess Demitasse is another pretty popular coffee spoon, right? But my understanding is those are intended to be served along with espresso, usually because the cup is so small and the spoon can be used for mixing in sugar or to break the crema, as some people like to do 
with the espresso. And I don't see that offered as much, I think, here. But when I was traveling through Europe a few years back, I did notice that almost every cafe gave me a little saucer with a spoon. And I wasn't sure if it was just out of properness or if it was actually functional. I didn't know what I was doing. But I don't notice that as much when I go to a cafe and order an espresso. Right. I would guess in Europe it's to mix sugar, which I see, you know, I don't know what you thought about it, but my experience of European espresso is pretty awful. Um, <laughs> uh, it's dark. Most, it's, it was darker. It's really it was dark. Uh, more traditional, you know, it's that Italian, uh-huh. like, uh, it's more of a, we're going to slurp this real fast and it's the, the socialness and the experience. Right. But that's like anything, you know, that's like um, 10 years ago, if you would have given me a craft coffee, I would have been like, oh, terrible. You know, I don't know what this is. Fair you know, we're, Give enough. me back my my tin can of frozen whatever in, in the freezer. So it was right. a little bit of adjustment, you know, and, and uh, those guys have a couple hundred years, you know, a couple thousand years ahead of us as far as. <laughs> they do. They do. And actually, I should say the last time I was in Europe, it was in 2019. And the coffee scene was very different from the previous time I'd been there in 2010-ish. And I don't mean this to sound arrogant because I think it's it has both good and bad uh, reasons, but I do think Americans, companies, and especially craft businesses like coffee or beer or whatever, will take these things that have been around and we just go apeshit over innovation and trying to push the envelope, you know, like right. that, that American concept of bigger, 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 more, 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 you know, it's like IPAs, like... Mm. German breweries discovered Pilsners and lagers and said, man, this is perfect. We're good. And right over here, we're like, Oh no, let's see what else we can do. And it's kind of a, it's an interesting dynamic because now as I'm seeing in, in, you know, we create this huge bubble of products, everything you can imagine under the sun. And then we start to hone it down. Like these are the things that we think are the best. Mm -hmm. And as a country, we have some influence in that, which is great, but doesn't always mean it's right uh, in the <laughs> in the first place. Yeah, it can be painful. Yeah, it's a learning process. We don't have a ton to discuss about spoons, but are there any other little accessories like that that you can think of that maybe we should talk about or bring up today? I mean, when you say that, it makes me think of kind of other espresso accessories. Cupping is easy. Bowl, spoon, water. That's it, right? Espresso, though, is a lot more complicated. You know, a kind of a dream espresso setup. A lot of people will use like a like a whisk or or some some sort of tool to essentially break up any clumping of the coffee grounds that that happen when you're grinding, right? So usually you'll grind into the portafilter basket and then use this sort of whisk tool to stir them up and break up those grounds. The goal there is to get less clumping and therefore less channeling, right? Less water picking one simple path to go through and spreading out and going through all the coffee evenly. Kind of on that note, I don't know if you've seen like the uh, the groomers that even out the coffee bed as well before tamping, right? So you can whisk up the the grounds to break up the clumps you can groom the top to even it out and then you can tamp and therefore you should have less opportunity for channeling i think there's so many ways to to screw up an espresso 
yeah. shot. I've and I've done all of them. I know <laughs> right now. Uh, I mentioned earlier how warm it is. It's also humid, and I do notice that the grinds that I'm pulling out of my own grinder at home seem a little bit, you know, that that wetness in the air impacts mm. those coffees when I'm making them. And I'm not wise enough yet to figure out how it's affecting flavor or taste, but I would imagine as a roaster or a coffee shop that's, you know, maybe grinding three, 400, 500 shots in a day, that would be very noticeable in how their machinery works. Yeah, absolutely. My time as a barista, I would notice essentially if the doors were left open, the shots start changing, right? Or being close to the coast here, you get that like morning coastal uh, marine layer. And then in the afternoon, it burns off. And so the shots start changing from morning to, to afternoon, you know? Yeah, it's uh, the marine layer is what uh, we tell, uh, I tell my Midwestern family is what separates us from the Midwest. <laughs> uh, so you, you, don't, you don't understand, we have the marine layer keeps this cool well jared i appreciate you coming back to roast west coast i'm looking forward to chatting with you again and um, just always appreciate that you take the time of course thanks for having me ryan okay to recap the coffee spoon is just a spoon that has a deep enough bowl to hold four to five milliliters of coffee which is the amount the Specialty Coffee Association, or the SCA, has determined is needed to properly taste coffee. The spoons, which look and frankly act very much like soup spoons, are primarily used during the cupping or tasting process, to break the crust of the coffee on top of the cupping bowl, and then to scoop the coffee up into your mouth. I'll include a diagram of all the different parts of a spoon on roastwestcoast.com. There are a surprising number of identifiable components to your average spoon. I want to thank Jared for coming back to be our Coffee Smarter expert this season on the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. He'll be back one more time to chat about the life cycle of the coffee plant and to go on a few more tangents with us. Check out HaseaCoffee.com to see what they can offer you as a roaster or a coffee lover who wants to learn more, and definitely follow them at HaseaCoffee on Instagram. You can find those links in this podcast's show notes or on RoastWestCoast.com. As always, this podcast is free to listen to. Even the newsletter is free to subscribe to. If you do, I'll send every episode of the show right to your inbox. But you can also be instrumental in helping us grow by joining the Roast West Coast Coffee community. Just go to roastwestcoast.com and choose one of the paid subscription options. To celebrate the launch of Season 6, every new subscription will get 16% off until September 1st, which is only like a week away. So, if you want to be one of the awesome people helping grow this listener-supported show, don't wait. That's RoastWestCoast.com to subscribe. When you do, you'll be joining a slate of awesome coffee industry businesses that I'm proud to call industry partners, including Café La Terre, Moster Coffee Company, Steady State Coffee Roasting, Camp Coffee Company, Coffee Cycle Roasting, Ignite Coffee Company, Ascend Roasters, First Light Whiskey, Marea Coffee, and Cape Horn Coffee Importers. You can find links to those brands on the website and even in this show's podcast notes wherever you're listening. I don't take on partners lightly. These are all brands that I really support and believe in. Coffee Cycle Roasting is going to be celebrating their five-year anniversary next month. Be sure to follow at Coffee Cycle Roasting on Instagram for updates. 
on the very special direct trade coffees they're going to be roasting up for the celebration. You can find links to all of those brands on the website and even in this podcast's show notes. Thank you all for listening, for supporting this show and the show's industry partners. And don't forget to check out the newsletter at roastwestcoast.com and for being awesome people who are pursuing their own entrepreneurial passions. This episode of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast is, was, has been written, produced, and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt. I hope this episode has found you happy, healthy, and with at least enough sanity to make it through the day. Always tip your baristas and be sure to drink good coffee.